Welcome back to the Scarlet Fever, the Daily Nebraskans' own sports podcast. We are back from spring break, which means it's time to wrap up all the winter sports coverage. We're going to start it off by talking about women's basketball and the women's NIT run that they're currently on. Recap a little men's basketball, wrestling, track and field, maybe even touch on a little bit of football. I'm your host, Joseph Meyer, alongside with me, as always, is my co-host, Gavin Struve. Gavin, how are you doing today? Doing well. Uh, feeling refreshed after spring break. Uh, much of it spent in Chicago. Um, spent a lot more time there than Nebraska men's basketball. Um, but yeah, we got a lot to talk about, so excited to jump into it. Yeah, it certainly wasn't a uh, illustrious trip for Nebraska men's basketball to Chicago, but you had a great time. You got to uh, watch some of the great Big Ten basketball that we've seen. Um, let's talk about the basketball team that's currently still playing Nebraska women's basketball. It is in the NIT, not in uh, the NCAA tournament, but it is still postseason basketball nonetheless. Um, they've won two straight games so far, so they are now into the Sweet 16 or round of 16, as you call it. Me and you were both surprised to find out that the women's NIT, unlike the men's NIT, has 64 teams, so a little bit of a tougher path. Um, do you think that Nebraska women's basketball is going to have any chance here to kind of make a run at the NIT championship? Yeah, definitely. I mean, seeing them already make it this far, um, like you said, winning two games only gets you uh, not as far in the women's NIT. They're in the Super <laughs> right. 16 now is what they call it. But Super 16. Nice. Yeah, they got a massive game uh, on Thursday against KU, rematch from earlier this year when Nebraska – upset a ranked version of Kansas that I think was supposed to be in the tournament up until the very end of the season. Um, so that'll be a big one for Nebraska. But yeah, if they win that one, they're pretty much capable of beating anyone else in this field. And this being a team that was projected to be in the NCAA tournament for much of the season um, and one of the first, I don't know, five or so teams out of the tournament, they should be able to have a good chance at winning the WNIT. Absolutely. I mean, you look at this matchup early on in the season, this would have been two ranked teams. Nebraska wasn't ranked yeah. at the time that they beat Kansas. Um, but two teams that had a lot of po preseason hype obviously fell out of the tournament picture. I was surprised as well looking at kind of the statistics. I thought Kansas would be a, a tournament team as well. Um, they're around 37 in the net. Um, ESPN Bracketology had them as a first four team, one of the last four teams in. So Kansas probably feels a little spited. Um, Nebraska probably knows that they didn't earn it, but Kansas might feel like this is their chance to prove to the uh, selection committee that they were deserving of being a tournament team. So I think this is going to be a really challenging matchup for Nebraska. But as you, as I've seen, we're looking at the, the seeding, it's, it's done a little bit differently and, and it has not really a lot to do with where you're ranked in the net rankings or anything like that. So Kansas and Nebraska both being on the side on the same side of the bracket in the same region as both being some of the highest ranked, uh, highest teams in the net that are actually in the NIT. This will be a good matchup. Last time it was at Nebraska. This time it will be in Kansas. A little bit strange there that Nebraska is the one seed in their region but doesn't get to play at home in the Sweet 16. Um, Kansas will get or the Super 16, I guess. I don't know. if Maybe that's trademarked. Maybe the Sweet 16 is trademarked. Um, but – yeah, so Nebraska won't be able to play in front of PBA again uh, unless I'm – well, they won't be able to play. The, uh, I'm assuming the Elite Eight round is a neutral site maybe? I'm not sure. We'll find out. Yeah, I have no clue on that. doesn't seem like there's a lot of info on where the sites – it might just be thrown where there's not a concert or event going on. 
Um, I'm sure there'll be some some fans that make the trek down there, only about a three-hour drive to Lawrence, but not a home home game. And, and we know how much the home crowd means to Nebraska women's basketball mm-hmm. and men's basketball. But specifically for the women, last time it was an overtime win. Uh, crowd got really involved. So that'll be a little bit of a challenge. I'm concerned Kansas looks like a pretty similar team with a marginally better offense and defense. Uh, they ma- seem to match up well with Nebraska. So I think it's probably going to come down to the end. I don't, I don't see – any world where Nebraska handles Kansas. Kansas just came off demolishing Missouri by 30 points. Uh, Missouri is another mid-60s, 70s team in the net. So coming off of just absolutely demolishing a a Big 12 opponent, that concerns me for Nebraska. But obviously I think they're going to have a chance. Big big 8 opponent? Big big 8 opponent, yeah, I guess so. Um, Anything else you want to touch on with Nebraska women's basketball? Yeah, I mean the biggest – I guess the biggest concern for me is, and I don't remember exactly how it played out when they when these teams first met, but uh, Kansas has a center they rely upon about as often as Nebraska uses Alexis Markowski. Uh, she's often their second option, Tyanna Jackson, um, and she has relatively similar numbers. But the difference is she is six foot six, which mm-hmm. is a major advantage in women's college basketball. Um, Markowski is six foot two. So that'll be interesting to see if, you know, she dominates that game more than she did in the first matchup. I mean, she had 18 and 21 in the first matchup, <laughs> granted in triple overtime. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I think that would be maybe the biggest focus on the scouting report for Nebraska entering this one. Yeah, it was disappointing to see uh, Hybe go down and she had a great game in the first one. Yeah. Uh, goes down been a kind of a weird year for her you know with the injury history uh coming back now getting injured again um assuming that will keep her out just an unfortunate situation for her didn't it looked pretty scary um but i think there's enough this team has played without her enough to be able to fill that role but obviously you want to have one of your better players down the stretch yeah the way that happened with her having um her best, at least statistical performance of the season that came mm-hmm. before. Right. Um, I think what was it, twenty-five or twenty-seven points against Missouri State, and then leaves the game um, against Northern Iowa on crutches. Uh, kind of interesting how they played two Missouri Valley teams <laughs> in the first two rounds, and now they're square at it with a you know power conference foe, a big brand name school. Um, but yeah, I mean a player that you would hope would maybe step up in her absence, um, and one who's kind of flown under the radar more for me is obviously Jazz Shelley and uh, Markowski have stepped up to be the main uh, focal points of the team is Isabel Bourne. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously being with the team several years now, she had a really slow start to the season, uh, relatively unassuming. It wasn't terrible by any means, but she had a really good month of February, uh, hit double figure scoring in like 10-ish straight games, and then didn't play as well in the Big Ten tournament game, but she's hit... Uh, I think 16 and 17 points in the first two WNIT games. So that's someone Nebraska can look to, um, I guess, at bare minimum as a tertiary option, maybe even as the main option if, um, you know, Markowski is swallowed up down low and if Jazz Shelley has another one of her poor shooting performances, as she has every once in a while. Absolutely. It'll be an incredible matchup on Thursday. It is just the NIT but it is nice to have postseason 
Nebraska basketball nonetheless. The men's side of things, they did not make the postseason. The season ended with a just excruciating loss to Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament in the first round. Disappointing there. I was, I don't know about you, but I was pretty confident that they weren't going to make the NIT. It's hard to argue for a team that just lost to Minnesota, yeah. who uh, has not done much all year, and that's kind of the way they go out. Uh, you were there in person. What was the emotion like, at least, that you saw from the team after? I, I would assume they, they wanted their season not to be over, but I would guess that most of those guys felt like you really needed that one to make the postseason. Yeah, I mean, they handled it well post-game. Um, I can only imagine what that was like immediately after in the locker room. Because um, they, uh, Sam Greasel said it at one point that they never felt like they were going to lose that game mm-hmm. until the very end. And I didn't really take that as arrogance. Um, right. I guess I was a little more wary of Minnesota than a lot of people. I thought Nebraska would win. Um, but I, as we've talked about in this podcast, and I probably too far into this, is I really subscribe to the fact of it's you know hard to beat a, any team two or three times. Right. And Nebraska beating Minnesota twice in the regular season. Uh, didn't blow them out in either game, so there was a decent chance that you know this was going to be a close game, and uh, this was the not the outcome they're looking for. Um, but yeah, I mean they were composed in the post-game press conference. Uh, Fred Hoiberg, as you saw, made his <laughs> NIT um, case for them. Did not work out. Did not work no, out. Understandably so. I mean, um, say what you want about the metric rankings of this team. Um, which are kind of confusing all season, as Fred Hoiberg lamented. Um, but yeah, I mean, 16-16 and 16 makes a tough case to mm. make the NIT, especially when you finish with a loss to the worst team in the conference. Um, not a historically bad team, Minnesota, but one of the one of the worst Power 5 teams this season. Absolutely. It's, it's so interesting because the loss in the first round of the Big Ten tournament last year compared to this year is just so different even though the result was kind of the same you thought it was a game they could win uh at just came down to the end and nothing worked out in their favor but this year it just felt like the momentum had been carrying and carrying and this was the you know they it was kind of like this is the team that can make that ohio state kind of run where they cook together a couple games in the big 10 make a run not make the ncaa tournament but if nebraska had made that ohio state run they'd be in the nit um so i think the disappointment from the players has got to be really tough because it's one thing to lose in the Big Ten tournament in the first round if you're not expecting to make the postseason. You're not coming off of an incredible month of February, not coming off just beating your rival in their in their home building, kind of pushing that momentum. Everybody's kind of on your side. But to go from all that high of emotion to a crashing low losing to Minnesota, but like you said, hard to beat a team twice, even harder to beat them thrice. Uh, I wasn't surprised necessarily by the outcome. I just thought that the the sloppy there was so much sloppy play at times. You just felt like it, it was destined that Nebraska was going to lose that game. Um, it's you just felt like they should they have all the pieces to win that game, um, but maybe in a you know cruel twist of fate, some of the the good fortune they got in the month of February went against them. Uh, a couple you know mistakes there at the end with the offensive fouls and ultimately it was a loss <laughs> uh Tominaga shot that could have gone in you know that would have been a moment that we wouldn't we would we even be a surprise if he had hit that shot at the end um but eventually uh eventually it didn't work out so disappointing end to the season still success though right definitely I mean the fact that that was a disappointment mm-hmm. um 
was you know built up that way because of the way they finished the season and put themselves in contention for um, the NIT squarely in that discussion. And it wasn't like completely unreasonable to think they could make a run deep in the Big Ten tournament, um, as, as you said, Ohio State did. Even Penn State, right? Penn State. I think Nebraska was viewed as just as likely as Penn State, more likely than Ohio State to make a run like mm-hmm. that, uh, probably all the way up to the semifinals would have hardly been a shock. Absolutely. So, yeah. I want to get your thoughts on the Big Ten as a whole now because I know you've been doing your power rankings all year. You got to watch them all in, in person at the Big Ten tournament. The NCAA tournament hasn't necessarily been kind to the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan State's kind of carrying the load right now. Uh, obviously, the Purdue loss. What's the state of the Big Ten? We knew it was anyone's tournament to win. We knew that all of these teams were kind of all in the same pack. No one really stood out above the rest. Are you surprised at the way that the Big Ten ultimately, you know, filed out that Purdue wins and then loses in the in the uh, NCAA tournament, or is this kind of what we expected all along? Yeah, it's definitely surprising seeing it play out this way. Um, I don't think you can deny that, but it's not like inconceivable right. given given the hints that these teams had shown. Um, Michigan State being the last team alive is a little surprising. I don't think it was a surprise they won a game or two of the NCAA tournament, especially having the best coach in the Big Ten, I think we can say. Uh, Purdue losing in the first round was a shock, but I think they were probably the most likely one seed to do so. But yeah, it's, it's really surprising how the Big Ten being so open and Purdue faltering down the stretch, having a rough February, and then they rallied to win the Big Ten tournament, right. get the one seed, I thought maybe they were a little overrated at number three in the AP poll, but the one seed was fair, given their entire body of work, and then losing the first round. Yeah. Uh, I mean, other teams, yeah, I, like like you hinted at, the Big Ten as a whole hasn't had a very good NCAA tournament. They've won a handful of games. Um, over, only having one team in the Sweet 16 isn't great. Uh, Illinois losing in the first round. Very disappointing after they had a good non-con. Right. But it's to an Arkansas team that's very talented and yeah, ended and up beating Kansas. Kansas so yeah. that one's understandable. And hardly a surprise that Illinois lost in the first round, honestly. Right. Indiana round of 32 seems about right. Iowa losing in the first round, not a shock. Mer- a, lot of, a lot of eight, a lot of seven through ten seeds, which is tough because yeah. then you have to go up against a higher-seeded team the next round. So Michigan State was the only one that was able to do that. Uh, it's a lot easier if, you know, Michi- there's no, like, five five seed for the Big Ten. Obviously, Indiana, I think that's a I think that's a disappointment for them to lose in the round of 32. I, yeah. I think they had, it, from my mind, they had a really good chance to make a run at it. Um, a Miami team that barely squeaked by Drake and then just manhandled them. Um, but, yeah, just not a, not a ex- I wouldn't say – a super disappointing uh, tournament performance from the Big Ten other than the Purdue loss. Mm-hmm. Penn State, really, I think I was really impressed with what Penn State did. thought Northwestern yeah. Northwestern played well, gave UCLA a tough matchup. Um, but again, it's the Big Ten. We've kind of grown accustomed to this. Is there a point where we say the Big Ten's just built to play each other and maybe not some of these other conferences? Yeah, you could say that. And we've seen um, the Big Ten be more you know, big reliant, defense reliant in recent years. So there's something to be said there. Uh, I don't, I think, I think the fact that they've had so little and so a tournament success is 
both a microcosm of that style and a little bit of luck, mm -hmm. just given the fact that the NCAA tournament is single elimination right. and you can have some misfortune there. Uh, certainly should have won a national title in the last 20-plus years, which they haven't, but uh, not skies falling mm -hmm. that, that yet. Purdue loss kind of showed to me that Purdue was built to beat teams in the Big Ten. They make their way through the Big Ten tournament, win it, which wasn't necessarily a surprise, but for me, I was like, didn't feel like they were the team that, for me, they weren't the favorite. I mean, they were the favorite because they're the one seed, but I would not be surprised if they had not won the Big Ten because there were a lot of teams coming in that were much hotter. They win the Big Ten, and then you feel like, okay, they're kind of starting to turn it around, and ultimately that that style of play didn't work against Fairleigh Dickinson. So, um Overall, Big Ten, incredible conference to watch in season. Just disappointing from the aspect of that you're not getting much postseason success out of them. We'll see how Michigan State does. I really like Michigan State. I actually uh, thought they would go to where they are. Um, I have them beating. I have them beating Kansas State in my bracket. So I'm a, I'm a big Michigan State believer. I had them going the farthest of any any Big Ten team. So really, you say it's a surprise. On you know maybe I just know something you don't, but. Evidently. Um, no, I, I think the Spartans, it seemed like the the win over Marquette, to me, was pretty predictable. I, yeah. I think the tournament experience there that Tom Izzo gives you is just – I saw some stat that Tom Izzo is a five or seven seed. It's like it always makes a sweet 16 at least, which I got to fact check that. But uh, Michigan State carrying the load for the Big Ten. Any other men's basketball stuff you want to touch on? I know you got some maybe a little transfer portal talk that you want to get into. Yeah, that's that's kind of the point of the year we're in now. Right. Um, Nebraska, by virtue being by virtue of being done with their season, it's now full swing portal season. It'll only heat up in the next couple weeks and then months as other teams are all finishing their seasons. We've seen on Twitter Nebraska being linked to offering certain guys who have entered the portal and stuff. Definitely some movement there. Uh, nothing super substantiated yet. Uh, we haven't seen any official visits, so I'm sure there'll be more in the coming weeks. Nebraska will definitely bring in a few guys. Uh, interesting, I guess some some have entered the portal we should hit on. Mm. Um, not massive departures, but uh, notable at least in Oleg Kojanet and Denim Dawson yeah. was a little bit of a surprise to me. I would think that maybe the rest of the guys with eligibility if they haven't entered it yet aren't going to which would be good for nebraska in demarcus florence and Ramo lloyd mm -hmm. uh, those could definitely be a couple building blocks but beyond that they're pretty much just waiting on casey tomonaga's decision of whether he'll return or most likely play pro in japan and then awaiting any transfer that come in uh one guy i'm definitely watching and he was announced to be entering the portal I think like an hour ago is Colorado State's John Tanji. He was the sixth man on their tournament team last year and the second leading scorer for an okay Colorado State team this year. But Omaha Central native, average 15 a game, just entered the portal. Definitely something Nebraska, definitely you think someone Nebraska would have interest in and would fit uh, in Lincoln. Yeah, I think the transfer portal will do Nebraska more good than harm this year. Yeah, as it has. Uh, it, it, it has. Um especially with just looking at the, the guys that are 
that were seniors this year. Yeah. None of them were originally recruited here. Yeah, so. you forget Walker. Right. Is from. I mean, he's been here so long. It feels years. like it feels like he was originally recruited, but no. Mm-hmm. Um, even guys like Wilcher. So the team is built. Other than a couple of the freshmen are, are built through the transfer portal. So I trust Hoiberg to to you know do, work his magic in the portal. Um, I think the momentum that the team got this year, seeing I think other guys will see that, and it's a much much more enticing place to be than where it was last year. Yeah. Um, and he even got guys to transfer here last year. So I'm really looking forward to what he's able to do with the transfer portal. Obviously, that Kisei decision will be uh, awaited. It'll be a sad day for Husker fans if he leaves. It'll be a joyous day if he stays. Um, I'm assuming that he – he said he, – what did he say after Big Ten tournament? He said he's hasn't decided yet. Or? Yeah, he pretty much was non-committal. Yeah. He said he hadn't decided. I wonder I wonder what what the swinging factor for him yeah. will be there. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff. Just the, the turnover of the team that we're going to see – uh, will be fascinating and super excited to uh, follow that through the rest of the season. Another winter sport that just finished up was wrestling. It was a really strong season for the Huskers. Little bit of a, no, I wouldn't say disappointing because it's still a top 10 finish nationally. So that can't really be a disappointment. But based on where they were in the polls, it is a little bit of a sobering fall to number eighth at the National Wrestling Champ- NCAA Championships. Um, team finished eighth. Uh, that's lower than they were last year when this year they were higher in the polls. But the uh, NCAA championships, you can't always just look at that. It's more of just who's the best team, best um, wrestling team. Penn State obviously won again for back-to-back years. But teams like North Carolina State, who was third in the polls, dropped all the way to 10th. So it's not a pure look at how good your season was. It, you still want to look at the whole as a whole, and Nebraska had a really, really strong season. Um, Labriola made a nice run to the finals uh, as a finalist, ultimately lost to Carter Sirachi. Kind of an um, immovable object there. Um, gets pinned in the first period. He kind of had to be really aggressive and take risks in order to have any chance to beat Sirachi. So I wasn't surprised that he l- lost in, in that fashion because he couldn't really – he likes to wrestle really safely and smart, and he kind of was forced out of his comfort zone to try to beat the much better Sirachi. So he was pinned, but still a, a finish in the finals was impressive and uh, All-American status. It's his fifth, which is really, really impressive for him. Uh, Peyton Robb, 23-0 and all year, number one throughout most of the season, loses in the Big Ten championships to Levi Haynes. Then loses again to Levi Haynes in the national championships. So it really, I'd say a really disappointing end to his season. I'm sure he wasn't thrilled about that. Still gets All-American status. Um, Silas Allred, who won the Big Ten, didn't even place. So he did not get All-American status. And then two other All-Americans, Brock Hardy and um, Liam Cronin, get also there were four All-Americans for Nebraska. Liam Cronin has always had Spencer Lee, the Iowa, you know, phenom in his way for all for all four years of his wrestling um, career. Spencer Lee, in probably one of the biggest upsets I've ever seen, uh, lost in the semifinals. And so he medically forfeited. Um, you know, there was a lot of 
just debate about whether it was an actual medical forfeit or he just didn't want to play after losing his chance at being a four-time champion. But Liam Cronin technically beat Spencer Lee, so that's the first time he's done that in his career. So he earned All-American status with that. So overall, a successful tournament for Nebraska. Little bit of a disappointing end because of the chance to finish higher than eighth, but you'll take a top ten finish nationally in any sport any day. Um, it was it was a great finish for Labriola to finish off his career. Uh, really emotional for him to get to that spot. Uh, second in the country is still a big feat. So it was an overall successful weekend for the Huskers. Yeah, another sport, winter sport that just concluded that had a. Similar finish at the national meet uh, last weekend as well was track and field, um, but they will have the chance to, I, I can't say redeem themselves because they did pretty well, but you know continue that success in the outdoor season. Uh, men finished eighth at the NCAA championships uh, just over a week ago. Women finished 14th. Both were pretty positive performances uh, coming off the Big Ten championships, which we talked about last pod. Those were kind of a letdown. The men were the big favorite, the Big Tens, finished runner-up. Um, and I think the women were ranked atop the Big Ten at the time as well. Uh, definitely weren't heavily favored, but they finished eighth. So women go from eighth at the Big Tens to 14th at Nationals, um, vaguely reminiscent of wrestling last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the men finished eighth. Uh, pretty good performance. It's both of their, both the Husker men and women's Best finishes at the NCAA Championships in over a decade, which is impressive. Uh, both had really good conversion rates on the amount of athletes they sent to the National Championships to All-Americans. They sent 10 total athletes, I think, in 11 events and had eight All-Americans, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty impressive. Five on the men's side, three on the women's. Um, and, yeah, some pretty impressive performances in there. Uh, Mason Connor, high jumper on the men's side, I think would have been hoping for a little higher than seventh um, because I think he rates like third on the leaderboards, but it was still his first All-American honor in two years. Uh, Jenna Rogers finished a little higher on the women's side in the high jump. Um, And then Axel and Johansson, runner-up on the women's side in the shot put. Uh, The men fared really well on that in that event as well. Um, and then there are other couple standout results that we have. Darius Luff wins his heat in the hurdles and it was arguably maybe the favorite in the finals because um, the hurdles was kind of, um, I don't want to say crapshoot, but there was like no <laughs> clear favorite this year. Um, he finished third, which is still pretty positive result for not having been the favorite. Um, and then, yeah, I think I'm forgetting someone who had a really good result as well. But all in all, really positive performance for Nebraska track. They'll have a very short break before starting. I think they're at the um, Littlefield Relays in uh, Austin, Texas at the end of this month. So we'll see how that goes. They have kind of tended to fare better indoors than outdoors in uh, Mm. recent years. So I don't know if that's a trend. But the women did finish 14th at the Outdoor Nationals last year. So I guess the goals would be uh, Big Ten titles for either side would be really positive and then get back to Nationals top 15. There's not much of an offseason there no. uh, for track and field. 
That is just going to about do it for us as we wrap up winter sports. We still got Nebraska women's basketball playing. So next episode, we will recap how their NIT run went. If they are still in it, we'll talk about how it's going and recap all of that. But that means it is almost time to dive fully into spring sports. Baseball and softball are well underway, starting Big Ten play this week. So next time, we'll dive into all of that. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you then.